This is Extra Points, a weekly show that uh, we do for the uh, Tulsa World. A couple of columnists, Garen Emig and Bill Haston, get together to uh, to shoot the bleep about the day's events, mostly about football, um, high, high school high school football. Uh, will be a topic, I promise, before we get done, because we are in around or week two of the playoffs, and everyone's playing. The teams that had buys no longer do, and so we'll get to some of that. Uh, probably heavy on six A, but Bill, this being Bedlam week. I think we're under contract obligation to at least give 15, 20 minutes to the Sooners and the Cowboys, despite the fact that this is by far the least anticipated Bedlam game since 2014. And even that one, uh, everyone was kind of fascinated by Mike Gundy's, what was, what'd you call it, a midlife crisis he was going through back then? Well, it was uh, uh, the, the two storylines on the Oklahoma State side that week were this would this would be Mason Rudolph's second start. Remember, he got ripped out of red shirt. Yeah, there, that's right. Uh, that's right. Two weeks earlier at Baylor. And then they had the off week to rep him as a true freshman. Uh and then and then Bedlam. So OSU did no. I think I'm, I'm misremembering, I think. I think 2011 was the year they had the the bye week. Uh, before Bedlam. Anyway, but yeah, he had started, Mason had started in the rain at Baylor in his first start, his first action, and played pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then they go to uh, Norman for Bedlam, and Mike had that infamous Monday <clears throat> presser, and he was miserable. Yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely miserable. And it was, it was pretty stunning uh, to have covered that that day. And, and, and you know, there was a lot, you know, he had lost, I say he, Oklahoma State had lost five in a row going mm-hmm. into that Bedlam game. And in most of those games, they'd gotten hammered pretty good. Yep. Uh, like like K-State, they got hammered. Uh, TCU, they got drilled 42 to nine, I think. And, and uh, it was just a rough patch for Mike and for the program. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't block. They gave up 40 sacks that season. And Mike was miserable that week. And there was a pretty famous news conference that Monday, and, and and it was, you know, and there were a lot of speculation about whether he would be back the next year. And then, uh, I, you know, and then it became an unforgettable bedlam because of the decision by yeah. Bob. That's right. right. A second yeah. time. And then it became a classic. Not really a classically played game, but OSU played pretty well that day to, just to hang around yeah. and stay within striking distance. Um, so that there was the setup for the fantastic finish at yep. the end. Uh, but, but yeah, but with regard to it resonating nationally to having any sort of, uh, uh, ramifications with regard to, uh, at that time, no, that was the first year of the playoff. Wow. Uh, come to think of it. So there was no playoff implications whatsoever. There were no, um, conference championship implications in fact tcu and baylor were, were the teams that year uh in the conference so uh yeah and that i think ended up being a six loss that was a five loss sooner team and a six loss oklahoma state team by seasons end. so uh yeah you're right i mean this is this is comparable i have given that some thought there, yeah well yeah well what was interesting is at least that game to your point changed some trajectory OSU kind of awoke after essentially Hill's punt return. <laughs> Talk about one game swinging 
some some uh, some directions, uh, and it it set a set a, a drift completely. Uh, Stoops. I mean, if Gundy was a drift going in, Bill uh, Stoops ended up that way because th things got worse for him. They were humiliated in a, a lousy bowl game, the Russell Athletic Bowl, it was called at the time in Orlando, a few weeks later by Clemson. This is before Clemson really, you know, took flight. Right. Um, and if I remember right. Nationally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that prompted Stoops to come home and fire Josh Heupel, which he might have done anyway, but that that sealed it. And that that was about as difficult a personnel decision as he's ever had to make. Um uh, but but again, getting back to uh, trajectories, that opened the door for Lincoln Riley to come in, and all of a sudden, the Sooners they awoke. Uh, Mason Rudolph helped OSU right, sort of put the pieces back together as he had the big pass to Shepard. It was in that game, right in 2014, Brandon Shepard. And so Gundy had his court. Good, you got a good memory on that because Brandon Shepard was a really uh, had a lot of talent and a lot of potential, but for Different reasons. It didn't. Uh, he never did be. He never was sustained as a difference maker at OSU. But he yeah. did have some big plays that day. You're right. Number yeah. seven. Correct. Number so, seven. So, this, so that game at least opened the door to sort of a you know a new era at OSU with Rudolph at the helm and not having to worry about offense doing anything but scoring 50 points at OU. It opened the door for Lincoln Riley and re sort of re setting the bar when it came to right. quarterback play, not just at OU but nationally. I don't know if we're going to be so lucky to have Saturday night's game tip anything off. I, I think OSU is they're they're not going to change a lot, regardless of of how the result turns out. I, I don't think they're probably going to go to Orlando or or Houston for the bowl game, and they're going to look back on a nine win season and and uh, think they did okay, but it probably could you know they could have done better. Uh, okay, but 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 because Gundy has reset the bar. It's, they're going to be fans disappointed. Oklahoma, um, people are going to still be miserable about their season, regardless of whether they beat Oklahoma State. The only direction it could go for Brent Venables, Bill, is down. Because if OU doesn't win this game, I'm telling you, they're not they're not going to a bowl. They're not going to win. They're not going to lose to OSU and then go beat Texas Tech in right. Lubbock, right? Don't you think? Well, no. It, it, I mean, Lubbock is a tough draw. It's a tough trip anyway uh, for, for a good Oklahoma team or a good any team to go to Lubbock uh, is, is a tough trip. So, um, no, but because also it coming off of this, what would be a sixth loss, a Bedlam loss, you, you would have to wonder, uh, I mean, psychologically and emotionally, where would Oklahoma be? You know, what would they take with them to, to Lubbock? Mm -hmm. Are they ready to... Um, you know, I mean, just how important would it be for those guys who have endured a six-loss season to play well enough to win, to prepare, and then to play well enough to win at Lubbock, so they can extend what's been kind of a miserable season? You know what I mean? Do you do, you, do they are the how excited are they going to be <clears throat> for another three weeks? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is I, I have said. I mean, my pick for the week for this week is is that OU will win this game. And my pick is based on the belief that OU's got at least one more really, really pretty good performance left in them. And being at home, uh, OSU being so one-dimensional offensively, uh, I just I just feel like, you know, uh, 
oh, you can put together a pretty good offensive performance. I think Eric Gray will have a big day. Mm-hmm. Maybe OU, OU has to slow down the turnovers, cut that way back, have a have a uh, you know be on the plus side on turnovers. And, and I, 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 but I am picking OU to win the game. I think OU hits them early with something and has great momentum from the start uh, because you know between you and me, we've attended or and or covered more than forty bedlam games. I've seen it time and again. Um, and there's several years during the Gundy era when OSU and OU were comparably, very, very comparably, or pretty equally talented going into this game, and OU just played better. And so I'm expecting that to hold up again this week. Uh, but, you know, but here I'm looking at the West Virginia damage report, right? And the defense is on the field for 15 plays and gives up a touchdown on a six-and-a-half-minute drive. The defense, OU defense, again, is on the field for 12 plays, Garen, five minutes, gives up a touchdown. The defense is on the field for six-and-a-half minutes to close the game, 12 plays, and winds up losing the game right there. So I just – it's hard for me to envision – uh, unless Spencer Sanders has a performance for the ages and is healthy enough to be involved in the run game to keep the chains moving, I, it's hard for me to envision OSU sustaining drives like that. So uh, my pick going in to the game is OU by ten, uh, and we'll see. Wow! Uh, but it, but it's you know it's always been the theater of the unexpected, and and uh, but a lot of the times the unexpected is that OU plays. Uh, really, really well, and overwhelms a comparably talented Oklahoma State team. Yeah, I think you you hit on the key, um, and you mentioned his name. It's Eric Gray. He's been he's been he's been the guy in the offense. And how weird is it to say of a running back at Oklahoma, not a quarterback for a change or a receiver? Um, and he's liable to run for two hundred against OSU's defense because I think the Sooners are going to feed him. Temperatures, it's going to be in the 30s. This is not a night for Dylan Gabriel to go out and throw 40 passes. Right. Um, anything you can do to keep you from making mistakes and keep the clock moving if you're Brent Bevels, is, is, it just sounds like a really lousy way to put it, but that's, I, I don't know how else to say it. If you, you don't trust Oklahoma to not hurt themselves at this point because they do it every week. Well, if you shorten the game, there's <laughs> a few, few opportunities for self-inflicted damage. So give it to, yeah, give it to Eric Gray 30, 35 times. See if he can't get to 200. Uh, outrush OSU by 200 at least because the Cowboys aren't going to run the ball except if Sanders helps, to your point. Right. Um, and then you win the game that way. I, but, Bill, man, I'm, I'm telling you, if there's one thing I know OSU has an advantage in Saturday night, it's it's close game uh, moxie. It's I mean, they've – they have, uh, I think they've overachieved a little bit to get where they are, honestly, this season. And a lot of that is due to their ability to pull out games that were tipped either way going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and if this game is close, and I, I get the feeling it, it, it will be, I think it's almost inevitable that, that it will be. I just don't trust Oklahoma to do enough to win that kind of game because they do what Oklahoma, they do the opposite of OSU in close games. They don't make any plays. They don't man up and, and make a block or, 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 uh, uh, uh Make do something instinctual on defense to to help stop a drive and win a game. They just don't have that 
in them, I don't think. And therefore, I can't pick him to win this game. But I wonder about Oklahoma State, too, though, if the, if the TCU outcome, if the Kansas State disaster and the Kansas loss, if that might have knocked some of that close game mojo right out of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess technically the other day was kind of a close game for sure. Uh, and they found a way. Right. Uh, but that was uh, – yeah, I mean the key for for OSU obviously is is the ability for Spencer Sanders to be involved in a complete way, uh, whether it's an ability or a willingness. I think there's a willingness for sure. I mean he'll if he's out there he'll 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 kind of try to do everything he typically does. Right, right. Did see there were like there was a busted play the other day and he didn't try to be a hero with it, he went down, he slid and got down. And and so I, I think you'll see more of that uh, this week uh, because it's so obviously critically important for him to be on the field. Even honestly, a 50% Sanders is the best option for Oklahoma State at quarterback. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, a Sanders who, who's able to give them 70 or 80 yard rush yards, because when he picks his spots and hits those yard hits that yardage, it yeah. could be in you know he'll trot in the end zone or he'll get him a massively important conversion. Right. So if he's able to, you know, they're just instead of so many of the bedlams we've covered though focused on strength versus strength, and now you're you're you handicap the game on you know weakness versus weakness. Yeah. This one you do, yeah, right, yeah. OU's uh, what was OU one of thirteen on third down the other day, or yeah. oh con- third and fourth down combined. Combined, right, right, right. One of thirteen, good. Yeah, that's embarrassing. And but uh, yeah, I'm in West Virginia. Oh, okay, here we go. West Virginia converted eleven times on do or die plays. Right, mm-hmm. so um, can Oklahoma State? stay on the field and convert time and again with a run game. It's just been other than the quarterback run game. It's just been a, a bust, a massive. Yep. yep. You're asking Casey Dunn to be a little bit more imaginative, probably to, to help work around the run game. Uh, we'll see if that's the case with regard to head coaching. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, the angst, it seems to be an, an annual thing over Mike Gundy against Oklahoma, right? Uh, every year you, you talk about Gundy's track record in the series. And I wonder if this is the year where it, it, it shouldn't be amplified because of – partially because of the way the Cowboys pulled last year's game out. And, I mean, you can say what you want about, well, it was, it was the dudes on the field. It was, you know, Colin Oliver – Spencer Sanders, uh, Brennan Presley's return. They were the ones that made the plays. It didn't Mike Gundy. Well, he, still, he, was still, he was still the head coach of the winning team, right? So the record did improve. But what about this? What about the angst over Brent Venables? On the other side of, of the ledger this year, canceling out any of the history that Gundy has endured. What, maybe that's the way to look at this. That, right. it? I'm, uh, I mean, I'm still – you know, Brent has dropped some pretty uh, – thinly veiled references to culture the culture current the current culture in the program and uh when you make comments like uh 
I'm paraphrasing, but if, you know, if so and so, he hasn't specified any one player or group of players, but you know, when he starts talking about it, if you don't like it, leave kind of comments, uh, th that is a, a, a statement that there's a culture issue right now with that collection of human beings. Mm -hmm. and, and, but it all kind of filters back to Brent. It just does. And, and I, I think that, Anybody, anybody who's fair about it is going to, you know, I've read and seen some stuff on social media about Brent that's just unbelievable and ridiculous, just ridiculous. And like I say, I, and I think I've said it here with you last week, is the time to start measuring Brent is about this time next year. Mm-hmm. That's when we'll know for sure. Uh, although, yeah, I mean, Mike, I'm sure feels good about it, but I'm telling you, uh, many, many times uh, I've seen Mike Gundy get super tight. And more in recent years, now 14 was the famous exception, but in recent years too, I've seen Mike be pretty relaxed at the Bedlam Presser and coach tight mm -hmm. on game night or mm -hmm. game night. And right. I mean, we'll see all that. I mean, Mike, <clears throat> Mike may feel going in that, he, that he's got the better team and he may have the better team, but um, I just feel like at some point, the Sooners are going to come out with great energy. They're not going to shoot themselves in the feet. They're not going to make those mistakes, at least not as many of them. And, and then I think that if I had to identify Obviously, Spencer Sanders is that guy on the Oklahoma State side, but but you nailed it. Uh, Eric Gray is the most important player in this game for OU. Mm -hmm. Not simply for yardage and touchdown reasons, but for shortening the game reasons and ball control. And and um, so, um, you know, I know Brent's miserable and would a Bedlam home win over a three-loss Oklahoma State team uh, salvage the season. By OU and the way measure uh, OU measures success, right? No, no, right, right, right. Only anybody would, nobody would say, yeah, well, this ended up being a pretty good year because of that. No, uh, but I don't think uh, any of them want to have to hear what's going to happen the next week if they lose in Bedlam. Um, and I, I'm I'm with you. I I feel like they're doomed. Uh, if they don't get this done Saturday, and if they if they have a, a uh, an elimination situation in Lovell, mm -hmm. Brock but Martin, I, by the way, how many how much more football do these guys really want to play? Yeah, it, be, not, it's, it can't be loving it. It 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 becomes it really does become that, doesn't it? Uh, for all the talk about well, you want to get to a bowl game because it gives you three, you know, what 20, 15, 20 extra practices, whatever that kind of deal. Well, that's for the coaches, <laughs> but. I'm not sure how many the I'm not sure how many the upperclassmen, the, the underclass looking for opportunity. Yes, right. Those those that are, are just ready to move on. And I I'm not saying that there's a number of those guys at OU right now. Uh, I think their problems are you can get before you get to effort and and mentality or effort as it relates to mentality. I think I'd get to about that'd be like 42 on my checklist of things that are wrong right now with this team. Hey, real quick, you said something about denying OU a shot at a bull. I, I thought it was. Great. Last night after practice, I didn't go, but I saw the video today um, bopping around. Brock Martin, 
the uh, Cowboys defensive end is well aware <laughs> that the Sooners are stuck on five wins. And you know who he reminds me of, Bill? He, he, and he also he also said uh, he finds it in his his word ridiculous that Oklahoma does not acknowledge OSU as a as a rival, right? Or they don't they don't you know they 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 take all the weight on the game. Brock's saying this about OU, and they put it on OSU. In other words, sort of you know slap our face. You should be sorry for for tainting right. the rivalry. Is what he said. You know who Brock Martin reminds me of? Trent Smith. Right. Someone who's who's willing to sort of just tell it like it is mm -hmm. the week of a big game. Trent, and he even sounds like Trent Smith. They're both Oklahoma kids. Right. With a serious investment in this in this uh, game. And uh, you can tell how much it means, not by how they play on right. Saturday, but how they talk. Right. And I think that's great. That is that is wonderful. I wish everyone was like that. <clears throat> Trent Smith, from uh, he was from the far western edge of Oklahoma. Where was he from? Western. Oh, boy. Uh, City? I, Anna, uh, I, it was uh, – it's not Anadarko, was it? I don't remember. I remember he was out from out there. Uh, and he was a great player. And you're right. Great. Uh, he and – Probably uh, the years that I was on or on that beat, uh, probably the two go-to guys for for great quotes were Dusty, yeah, and Trent Smith, and the guy who was uh, least likely to step up with quotes was Josh Heupel. <laughs> He's still least likely to step up with quotes. Josh may have even been better than Jason White at that time. Jason's great to talk to now, but Jason was uh, uh, kind of difficult uh, during his Heisman year. It was not his favorite thing to do, talk mm -hmm. to us. Listen, when he was at OU. Nick Saban's first Alabama team had six losses. So, I mean, sometimes a program is broken and a guy has to – Yeah. It's not an immediate fix, and Saban didn't win uh, a national champ uh, his third year. It was his third year, so um, you know, I, I still think Brent Venables is a brilliant guy and the right guy, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I bet I'm. I think I'm right. And no, no, I hear what you're saying, and we could no, and there'll be plenty of time to to address you know potential for for getting it right in the future but uh but i don't this, this, the, your your reference earlier to what you've seen social media or maybe what you've heard on sports talk i don't know where, wherever the whatever corners uh that where that noise comes from I, i'm not surprised by it and i don't i, I and i and I, and again though i want to say one more thing and then we'll get to the prep stuff uh, i'm gonna and i'm i really need to write this instead of just talk to you about it but the, the worst thing Venables did in hindsight was go 3-0 and to start the season and look really, really good in doing it. And, it's, and that sounds ridiculous, but it's but that there he's not just answering to, to a 6-6 six and six or a potential 6-6 six and six or 5-7 and seven if they lose uh, the next two. He's answering to, um, quick math, 2-6, and six, which is what they are. Or no, 2-5, and five, which is what they are since they left Lincoln, which is what they are in the Big 12 Conference. So... Um, I mean, obviously, you want to win every game you play. I'm not. I'm not saying that he should have tanked <laughs> and and lost one of those first three games to temper right. ex temper expectations. But I'm just saying that team was not that. You talk that was a paper lion coming out of September, and it's just been exposed since then. Just not see, done, not done right. him any favors. 
this season with regard to the way it struck was structured with results i mean and the and the fact that so early in the year there was a, a really high national ranking and a lot of excitement this season's just like schnellenberger's season yeah howard was three you know tenth in the country yeah 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 that's right that's right although uh howard's hiring was viewed as a what the hell whereas brent's was a a big happy production yeah and that's that make and that's something else that i think he's that that is part of the angst is that people are so excited about this and uh yeah and the other thing is schnellenberger was picking up a few of gary gibbs pieces whereas that there were no pieces in terms of wins and losses left by lincoln riley there were pieces of the roster that were obliterated but no yeah right but playoff after playoff big 12 after big 12 right this is a base this is a fan base that's just not not, not used to this um all right you are uh I saw I'm asking because I saw your plan earlier just today so you think Jinx has its hands full this week or are you saying it's just a potential hand to lose at Mustang yes uh oh yeah I I would even say it's uh I I mean it's not it's not a, a toss-up uh because I'm I think I expect Jinx to win I just think it's gonna be very tough and M Mustang played Jinx within seven points in last year's semifinal and the forecast uh in Mustang is going to be it's worse than it is for here uh with regard to the wind and the temperature is gonna be a little colder and the wind's supposed to be a real factor hmm. uh, the community of Mustang is like you know uh super wired for this game like really fired up for this game so it's going to be a decided home field advantage for mustang uh i spoke for a long time a couple of days ago with the head coach at mustang lee blankenship who was one of three blankenship family members in the quarterfinals of the 6a1 tournament yeah yeah that's uh, right he is bill's cousin um 36 year old cousin of Bill Blankenship so um I mean Jinx is on a roll and uh but I do wonder if the conditions will have such an effect on uh the passing game that they have to really go heavy heavy run game and if that's the case then how is the right shoulder of Jaden Carroll because he went out in the first series yeah we're talking about that right return of the game so yep. um no it's 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 a it's a great matchup uh it's a very it's it's you know I'm gonna go to uh Enid Bixby and mostly for the same reason I went to Jinx last week I wanted to see last week okay Jinx coming off of a win for the ages over Bixby how are you going to look this week and they look pretty good they won 68 14. now with Bixby I want to go see what Bixby looks like and I want to go hang out there some and do some uh catching up with some people just to see whether they've kind of recaptured their mojo you know whether it all looks like it did before the jinx game for Bixby and then of course Next week, if the favorites uh, advance, you've got a Bixby Jinx rematch mm -hmm. next week already. 
from the game of the year to the rematch of the year. Right. So, yeah, and then uh, on the other side, I'm, I don't know what, I mean, Owasso is like kind of quietly hot, but Nora North has really got a great passing game. Um, so that's a, can, can Owasso control the football and keep it away from from Norman North, and uh, that's a tough game for a Wassel on the road. And then Union on the other side, I expect to win comfortably over BA in advance. Um, but it was a nice, interesting talk with Lee Blankenship, though, about yeah. the utility of the west side of the state uh, with regard to winning championships. And, and uh, we talked a lot about facilities, and he said, you know, there's an arms race going on uh in Tulsa and it's not happening down here it's we're not doing that down here and I think that the coaches down there would love to have the kind of facilities they have here but they're just a collective position against spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on you know elite football facilities like you see all over the place here mm -hmm. so does, is that a reflection of commitment or is that a reflection of uh, healthy priorities? Interesting. You know That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you could, I, I could put a leg on either side of that argument. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, do I like going to Union and watching a football game? Hell yeah. It's great. It's beautiful. What a press box and what a, what a beautiful stadium. Is it excessively nice? Yeah, it is. Is it not that it has to be? Yeah, it is. But it's it's the kind of the centerpiece of that yeah that, that union community, is it not? Yeah. So well, I know what you're saying. And you know, I no longer live in the union district, so it ain't my money. And I don't <laughs> have to vote. But I yeah. mean, golly, that's nice. It's like it's like almost what are you thinking? Nice. I mean. But uh, but yeah, he but Lee Blankenship it just kind of seems to feel like they're never gonna uh, in Oklahoma City they're not gonna they're not gonna get into that yeah to build these the, amazing weight rooms and these amazing uh, stadium renovations and all that so and I say that and right now somewhere somebody in Bixby sitting there with a uh, uh, in a meeting talking about you know what they're gonna do when they yeah. get around doing all that um and i'm of the belief that bixby will cut no corners when it's time for them to build their new football stuff mm -hmm. and it'll be spectacular yeah well that's real no but your framing of it is fascinating to me man because i think i think if we from an outsider's perspective and i'm, I'm in that group because i'm not around it like you are it's it's organization it's, it's it's a commitment to organization that goes on here that doesn't out west when it comes to again at least six a football. Because you talk about coaches who get kids to the program when you know about the time they can practically walk right and teach them. This is what we're going to teach you now because this is going to pay off in like eight years right. when you're taking your shot at the varsity that you're going to help us this way right. It's a system. Your your uh, opening or I guess Lee Blankenship is opening the idea that it's. Yeah, it's organization, but it's sort of a choice to organize or a choice to commit. Uh, you talk about facilities, but right, that's kind of what this, that's, an, that's a very interesting framing. Well, of the difference. But Lee Blankenship also talked about uh, how like an Alan Trimble really was the godfather of all this, but, mm -hmm. but, but 
the oversight of a varsity coach on even youth football mm-hmm. terminology and some of what they do with X's and O's so that there's a consistency with it all the way through. Yeah. And that, so, you know, once a kid gets into the, uh, into the high school program, they're not having to learn everything. Yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, we've, we've used these terms or this, uh, you know, uh, language since fourth grade. And, um, but yeah, that's something, uh, Alan Trimble, uh, started. And then now more recently, uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Montgomery over at Bixby now has complete control of and oversight of strength training going down through seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's wanted that for a long time and now got school approval and they have, uh, school hours set aside for those middle school kids to lift. Lauren says, this is what will prepare us for 6A1 and sustain us as as a good 6A1 program. And when I told Lee Blankenship about that, he's like, ooh. And he said, you know, it's something he was going to look at. Yeah. Doing a Mustang. And Mustang is, you know, Mustang and Yukon are the only two down there uh, that aren't, that are one school towns. You know what I mean? And not Mm -hmm. split up like the Edmonds and the Normans. So, um, and UConn has just been terrible in football forever. Just awful. I mean, even going back to the days when I was at the El Reno Tribune, I mean, UConn was terrible in football. (laughs) I can't explain why either. I've never understood that because they're pretty good in most everything else. And they have great facilities, but they're terrible. Uh, But Mustang is the one school, I would say, if there's one to watch over the next few years as a true threat to this east side stranglehold, on the uh, uh, 6A1 championship, it's Mustang. Okay. And they have a, a star, young star coach who has experience coaching on the side of the state, who has the Blankenship name and is constantly watching what Union and BA and Jinx and, and Owasso are doing over here in Bixby. It really pays attention to it. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just like pouting about it and resenting the East Side superiority, this guy's trying to replicate it. So yeah. if there's a school to watch, I was going to say in, in the future, but who knows, you know, they may be on position to, to, you know, to make a run right now. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has beaten Owasso twice since he got that job and he has beaten Union. Uh, so it's a tough game for Jake. So it's, it's my favorite game on the board. And, but we'll see about okay. Big. Uh, Bixby and whether it's Bixby's going to beat Enid um, with all due respect to Enid, but Bixby's going to win the game. But just like last week, I wanted to see, I know Jinx, you're going to win this game, but I want to see how you look doing it. Sure. That's exactly why I'm going back to Bixby this week. Okay. Folks, if you're going to these games, stay warm, Uh, bring a pack of extra thermos, a scarf. It's going to be cold uh, for everyone, everyone this weekend, uh, high school or college. It'll be our pleasure to bring you the coverage at uh, the Tulsa World. It's our pleasure to bring you the show every week on the Tulsa World. We call it Extra Points. You can download it courtesy of Google, Apple, and Spotify. And you are pointing at me to say? I, I was pointing. I was just, there, I actually heard uh, uh, on one of the local radio shows about uh, why in the world would they have Bedlam in prime time instead of TCU Baylor, right? Yeah. And, just a quick, just a quick stat. This is why. 
First of all, Bedlam has performed very well on television the last few years. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State is a very, very solid number three with regard to consistent ratings in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Bedlam 21 versus OU Nebraska this year, uh, Bedlam 21 did almost twice the audience size, almost twice that the audience that Fox had for OU Nebraska. So mm -hmm. anyway, I, I meant to mention that earlier, slipped my mind, but is this a, is this a, a, a diminished bedlam? Yep, it, but it's still bedlam, and it still resonates yeah. naturally, and that's why you got it in prime time. Yep, it's still compelling. I mean, yep. it's, 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 I wish it was. I wish there were more at stake. It's as simple as that, but it's still very compelling. Should be a fun game. All right, you and I will talk about it next week as well as get ready for the next round of the state uh, playoffs. Folks, thanks for tuning in and listening, watching, and reading, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.